to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yance, and this is episode 85. And I'm going to be talking about goings-on in WWE and in professional wrestling in general. I'm going to talk about AEW. I'm going to talk about Raw, SmackDown. And instead of a Raw moment this week, we're going to talk about the Austin documentary on A&E. So stay tuned. So let's start off with something a little different today. I want to talk about, let's talk about Netflix and Blockbuster. And I'm going to get to my point in a minute here, but Netflix was the underdog that no one saw dethroning and destroying Blockbuster. Blockbuster was the was a staple. Let, let's be honest. I mean, it, every movie came to, to Blockbuster. Blockbuster and film and and Blockbuster movies were all like synonymous. Nobody saw that anyone taking that on. And then slowly, Netflix started their thing where they were like, um, you know, no late fees. And they went with that. And then they started their streaming service. And look at them now. They are one of the most powerful entities in entertainment. And they destroyed Blockbuster. Where's Blockbuster? Blockbuster? Who? They don't exist. They're nowhere. They lost. So I'm going to take that back to let's look at AEW and WWE. People think WWE is this unstoppable force that no one can defeat. Well, they said the same thing about Blockbuster, and look what happened. A&E, excuse me, AEW is the Netflix of professional wrestling in some ways. I see it being the thing that is going to change WWE. WWE is either going to change with the times, or they are going to be gone. And that's just the way it is. There's no other way this can go. They have to change or they will just be sucked into oblivion. Because once again, we saw that AEW pulled in a 1.2 or a 1.1, which is very good. It means they maintained quite a bit of the audience from last week's 1.2. So they're on the road. If they can continue to build on this audience and get to a 1.5, then they will start to, then they will really start cutting into WWE. The fact that WWE gave them all that promotion, now people are more than ever aware of a new company called AEW, if they weren't already. And I see that this the war is beginning. NXT has left and gone to Tuesday. They beat NXT. NXT was put there to make sure that AEW didn't get another deal, didn't get didn't get renewed. And not only did they get renewed, they got a better deal. And and they survived the pandemic. WWE has been doing everything they could to counter program them. And now they no longer are on there. They were forced to be off because of the NHL or because of USA. And now we're seeing AEW build an audience because they're not, they can't counter program. Let's see how good Vince is when he can't just put, when he can't just compete over against them. I, it, I find it so hypocritical of Vince McMahon because he sits there and he says that, um, 
you know, Ted Turner, they threw everything they could at us. What did he do in the 80s? He competed against everybody. He would, he would, he would, um, he would run shows the next day. He would burn out the town. He do, he did, he followed the same exact tactics that he did, that he tried with AEW. And guess what? They're not going to work this time because he has spent a decade, almost a decade, 20 years, I would say, of destroying the audience that came from the Attitude Era. He has destroyed that audience. He has disappointed us. He has given us nothing to ex be excited about. And that's all on him. That is on him. There is nobody that he can look in the mirror, anybody can look in the mirror to other than Vince McMahon. He needs to look himself in the mirror and realize that he has killed this company. So I see if WWE doesn't change, the Netflix, the AEW, taking them over. And I know people are like, that's, you know, that's pretty short-sighted. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Nobody thought ever that Blockbuster was going to go out of business, and they did. And the same thing can happen to WWE if they're not careful. Now, the, the good news is they are being very good at running the business side of their show by hiring really good business people. But the content of their show is awful. And once again, that is only gonna get, that's only going to work for so long because people are going to get sick of it and realize what, what is happening. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. I had that epiphany there, and I'm getting so tired of hearing fans say that you know, nobody can beat WWE. Anybody can lose. Anybody can win. And if you don't learn that, I don't know what to tell you. But that's the truth. And... You know, WWE could still survive, but they're going to have to change. And they are changing, but they're not changing enough. And the big change that has to come is Vince McMahon. He needs to be gone. So let's talk about Nick Khan. Nick Khan did it, you know, has kind of hinted internally that he wants WWE to be seen as mainstream. He thinks WWE should be like Marvel. Well, here's the problem, Nick. Marvel listens to its fans. Marvel gives its fans what they want. WWE does not give fans what they want ever. Bianca Belair has become the champion. Where has she been on TV? Nothing. In backstage segments. They have completely dropped the ball on her, as far as I'm concerned, on that moment. Um, Daniel Bryan. Nobody, nobody beats Roman Reigns. So now Daniel Bryan's just another guy. Who do you, who are you facing? Who's the next guy? Okay, Brock and Rock. Ooh, the the big rubs. Who's the guy after Roman Reigns? And I know people are gonna say that the um, the amateur wrestler that's coming up. Okay, that's it. It's not enough. It's not enough, and they're not doing enough. And I'm tired of it. And Nick Khan can, you know, I hope he does try it, but he has to realize that Vince is the problem. And until Vince is gone out of creative, nothing is going to change. It just won't change. You can hire Eric Bischoff. You can hire Paul Heyman. You can put them all in there. It won't change. And I don't care what anybody says. I've watched 20 years of this company not do it. Now, that's my little rant there because I, I just don't know. But I think Nick Khan has made some good moves. He's done a lot of good things. He's helped them make a lot of money. So Nick Khan is instrumental. I mean, he brought in um, 
He brought in the new announcers. He's making little changes here and there. Let's say if he gets rid of Kevin Dunn. That would be the biggest change. If he got rid of Kevin Dunn, Kevin Dunn and brought in somebody new, then I would start to go, okay, that's new. That's different. Because I don't see that ever happening. But let's see. Let's see what happens if he, if he gets rid of Kevin Dunn. Because that's the next thing that has to happen. If they want this show to be different, they need Kevin Dunn to be gone or be bring in somebody new. So let's talk about the other thing that happened. Uh, Mickey James posted on Twitter a picture of her gear being sent to her in a garbage bag. And a bunch of divas said that that happened to them. Gail Kim, uh, uh, Maria, Canellas. So many people said that this has happened to them. But now we're in this age, and that doesn't fly. So Mark Carano has been fired, and a bunch of other people were fired. Um, I've never liked Mark Carano. I thought the way he came off on Total Divas as an arrogant, um, well, I would curse here, but I'm not going to curse, right? As an arrogant, um, jerk. Somebody who feels like he's above it all and that he knows everything. And he's basically the hatchet man. That was his job. You know, he was the John Laurinaitis role. I've just never liked him. I just, I've, I've always thought him as supremely arrogant and somebody that does not understand the business. And from all accounts, I, I'm probably right. Um, but yeah, he's gone. He has been fired and they got rid of him. So Mickey James posting a picture has gotten rid of Mark Corona, which is great. Um, in some ways, I think that's a great thing. Um, but it just shows the audacity of this company that they think that they can send their company, send their, you know, ex-employees their stuff in a garbage bag. But you know what? It's not really shocking to me, but nothing shocks me in WWE. They don't really care about people. They care about their profits, and that's all. Everybody else will be sacrificed. Anybody will be sacrificed for their profits. Um, so let's look at the other thing that's happening. Uh, this weekend, this Sunday, is Impact Rebellion. It will be Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. Both titles are on the line. Whoever wins, we've got to all believe that, you know, Kenny Omega is becoming the, he's becoming the Impact champion. He's going to come out with all four belts, or three belts. Does he have four belts? I don't know. I, I think he should get all, all of them. I, I want him to be the Thanos character and get all of them and snap his fingers and <laughs> do something cool like that. But I doubt they do something like that. But, um, yes, very exciting to see those things uh, happen. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about AEW. So AEW this week, a lot of interesting things, as I would say... This was more of a building episode, as I said last week, and it's building to this week's episode, the May 5th episode, which will be headlined by the Blood and Guts um, match, which I think this Blood and Guts match is going to, you know, probably take up a good portion of the whole show, which will be an interesting test to see if a wrestling show does well with just really one match. Some people think it's going to do horrible. I disagree. I think it's going to be really cool and interesting to see as long as if they do a good, if they do a great match. And I think they're going to have a great match. And I think people are going to like it. I think it is going to be a ratings draw. And I think people are going to be quite shocked by the ratings. So 
I can't wait for that. Um, so let's talk about the things that did happen on the show. Um, the Pinnacle promo with uh, JR, that was great. MJF, so charismatic, so great. He's really feeling it. I like that he's leading his own group. He should be leading his own group. This is great. They're really setting up the stakes. This match feels important. Uh, the other thing that happened, the inner circle, they had their promo. I thought Jericho did a great job on that. He had every one of them speak, and they all felt like a, a, a unit. And they can't wait for this match. This, this is going to be great. Um, uh, Hirokara Shida versus Te Conti. Te Conti has shown she has improved leaps and bounds since she has left the wonderful WWE developmental NXT, which didn't know what to do with her. Once again, another sign that shows that their way of doing things doesn't work and doesn't make stars because Tay Conti is a bigger star now than she ever was in NXT or in anything WWE did with her. So that out of the way. This was a great match. Um, Hirokara Shida won, but Tay Conti looked good. They're, they're doing a lot of good things here. The big thing that happened here, though, was Britt Baker came out, and it looks like that's where we're leading to at the pay-per-view. It's going to be Britt Baker versus Hirokara Shida, and I think that's probably where Hirokara Shida will lose and Britt Baker will get the title, which I think she should. I mean, she had that amazing match at... Um, um, she had the amazing um, match with uh, Thunder Rosa. It's time. Let's make Britt Baker a star. She's... Number one on there. Let's 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 go with that. So I like that they. Um, I like that Britt Baker is coming out, and she's you know, this. I think this is her coming out party. This is where she's going to become the star. She's going to get the title. I think it's the right way to go. They've been wanting her to do that, and she's passed all the tests. Make her the champion. She's the right person to go with. Um, Christian versus Powerhouse Hobbs. They had a nice little long match. Um, Christian ended up winning with the kill switch, but a really good match. I mean, Christian, for somebody who's been gone this long, to be able to continue to, to wrestle at this level is amazing. Christian is such an asset. I, I know we got to call him now Christian Cage, but just great, great stuff. Um, the show was headlined by uh, Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy. Darby Allen is really becoming a star. This this guy, I, I love that he's getting this this long run with the uh, the TNT title. Best way to use him. He's he's on his way. This guy is great. Putting him with Sting has made him a big, bigger star. So it was Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is on the rise too. Uh, he's great. Uh, two great performers. Um, they had a nice long match that ended with uh, Darby Allen. Uh, winning with the Last Supper Cradle, good stuff. Uh, Scorpio and Sky and uh, Ethan Page came out. Then Archer came out and got, and got involved. And then um, Scorpio's guy and Page beat him down. And then Sting came and made the save. And so it looks like Sting and Archer are kind of you know that feud got some interesting developments. Where are they going with that um, with that feud? It'll be interesting to see. If I could uh, put a point on it, um, but I thought it was very a tremendous impact. Um, not impact. AEW Dynamite. They continue to just get it better and better. They're becoming more focused. There's less Gaga. Um, one of the things that I didn't really like, they had this whole thing with um, Moxley and 
and Eddie Kingston, you know, not hitting his hitting the trailer that supposedly Omega and them were in, but they weren't in there. I, I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of dumb. I didn't really care about that. That was the only thing that I really didn't like. Uh, I just think they could be used better. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering what where we're leading to for the pay-per-view. Is, is, is it going to be a rematch of um, John Moxley? Is that, where, is that where we're going to? Or I think they should go with Christian Cage versus um, Kenny Omega. I think they're going to have a phenomenal match, and it would be good. I know some people are like, well, we don't want the WWE cast-offs there. Yeah, but he's a W. He hasn't dominated the show, and you know, and we've seen him getting wins and wins. It's not like they just shoved him in there. I mean, in some ways, you could say you might be maybe premature, but you know, I think it'd be a good match. And Kenny Omega works best in the um, parameters of having a great match. So I think they should go that route. Um, and when we come back, so that's AEW uh, Dynamite. It's a good show. I recommend watching it. You can't go wrong, and I can't wait for next week's show. Let's talk about WWE. Um, not very good. So here we go. All right, so let's talk about WWE. I absolutely hated Raw. I thought it was the most boring show I've ever seen. I mean, but I feel like every show is boring on Raw. I, I, I feel Drew is so wasted there. Nothing good ever happens on Raw. It is just paint by numbers. Everything I hate about WWE. So let's talk about the little things that happened. Uh, T-Bar and Mace were unmasked, so I guess they're going to now, you know, have new looks and be, you know, part of the Hurt Business, which is the smart thing to do. Uh, Damian Priest beat Miz. Good. That was good. Five minutes. And Asuka beat Charlotte when uh, Rhea Ripley kind of helped and uh, helped her get, helped Asuka get out of the, um, the figure eight or whatever her move is called. And then Asuka uh, won with the cradle. So it's a fluke pin, and then Charlotte attacked a bunch of referees, and she's supposedly been suspended. And everybody's up in arms about Charlotte because um, Dave Meltzer said something about her, but he didn't say anything bad about her. He said something about the company. I'm so tired of fans yelling at Dave Meltzer, who is one of the nicest people you will ever meet, kindest people I've ever met. <laughs> I, I don't understand why people don't like him. Just because he reviews matches, that's his job. He's the critic of wrestling. He's our Roger Ebert. Is the, the closest thing I can put him to. He's the Roger Ebert of wrestling. And I, I, I don't understand why people don't like him. I really don't understand it. It upsets me that, you know, we got to hear this from Bruce. We got to hear this from Eric Bischoff. They claim that he's not a journalist. I'm like... The the people booking the show are not supposed to really like the journalists, uh, but, you know, it, they go hand in hand. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't understand this. I, I don't think he said anything wrong, and I'm st sticking to my guns with that, but, you know, some people are upset with him. But they never really looked at it. They said that, you know, Charlotte, that he wanted to... They took his his comments completely out of context. I'm just using this opportunity to say this right now. I don't think he said anything wrong. Uh, Charlotte, before she goes on Twitter, I think she should, you know, contact Dave. If you know Dave, 
do it. Stop doing stuff in the public forum. Just call him and be like, I didn't like that thing. And then I'm sure if Dave, you know, he would say something. I'm tired of this. One person says something bad and then we just gang up on it. That's going to be one of the leading stories of my, um, of the regular DMF. So I don't want to spend too much time on, but I did want to say that because I defend Dave Meltzer because he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I'm really kind and he gave me so much time on this show and I still appreciate that. And I appreciate everything he does. So I'm always on Team Meltzer. Just damn. Charlotte, I, I think she's taking these, these comments out of it. I like Charlotte too. I, I know a lot of people in Charlotte where I'm from who know Charlotte. So I'm entwined in all in both these people. Um, I don't know. I, I, this is an interesting way to go. Um, so Charlotte's going to be gone for a while. Uh, they got to get Becky or somebody there because it's just like this. This division is just. I don't know what it is anymore. And then they did some more things with Alexa Bliss. Uh oh, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't hear it. It didn't hear the comments. So. I could get away with the A word for a minute there. Um, but it's just, the, Raw is a mess. I, I don't want to talk anymore about Raw. Don't watch it. <laughs> There's my recommendation to you. Don't watch it. SmackDown was a little bit better. It started off with Daniel Bryan and Cesaro coming out, and then uh, Jay and Seth, and they had a tag match, which ended up with um, with Daniel Bryan winning with the running knee against Jay, and then they tried to hold Jay hostage while Cesaro swung him. It was really funny. As they tried to call out Roman Reigns, at the end of the show, Roman Reigns finally came out and he made the challenge. He said that, you know, he said to, um, he said to, uh, he said to Cesaro, you know, who are you to be and be in my, my league? You're not my league. You don't deserve this. You didn't do anything for it. I love the lines he said. And then he challenged Daniel Bryan and said, you got one more shot. If you don't win, I want you gone. You have to vanish. So the tribal chief laying it out that, you know, if Daniel Bryan does not win, he's gone. <laughs> if he doesn't win and they take away Daniel Bryan, their best character, I don't know what to say, but here's what I think is going to happen. Edge is going to interfere, and that's going to lead to a rematch of the triple threat match at... Um, at Mania, at Mania Backlash, which is what I thought was going to happen all along. Cause I, I, and they'll say something like, well, you know, he didn't technically lose or something like that. Or maybe they'll put the title on Daniel Bryan, but I don't see that happening. I see that he either losing or an interference and that leading to another match. Um, but I, I, I like this, that this, this show had more of a focus I liked some of the stuff. Uh, Apollo Crews fought uh, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens uh, didn't lose, but they did a you know interference. The Abu Dabo, Abu Dobo, you know the guy from the Raw Fight Club thing. Um, Raw After Dark, you know, interfered, and you know, so we didn't get an actual finish. It's foolish. It's upsetting, but that's just the way WWE books and. I don't like it, and you don't like it. Uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey look to be having some matches. So that should be good. Um, but I don't know. I just don't know. Um, if you get rid of Daniel Bryan, you've lost this thing. And I don't know. 
which I should talk about Daniel Bryan, um, the interview with Daniel Bryan, but you know what? I'm going to save that for next week. Next week I will talk about Daniel Bryan and his, um, his interview and where I'd like to see it go. So that's a little teaser for next week. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about the Austin biography. So let's talk about the A-E-N-E Stone Cold Steve Austin biography. Um, So this was a two-hour biography. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think there's enough time. I, I told my friend this, we need, he needed like three episodes. You needed to focus on like his early life, his rise to the top, and then his after, his aftermath. They didn't get into any of that. It was, it's in two hours, so they're smashing everything into it. And for most people that have studied Austin like I have, you knew everything basically that they were saying. There was really nothing new that came out of it. The big new thing that came out of it was that you know he really hasn't spoken to his daughters very much even for like over 20 years which is kind of sad they didn't go into any of the deborah stuff they didn't go into any of those things and those things need to be touched on for this in my opinion to be a real documentary all they did it felt like a wwe produced documentary Let's just shove a bunch of things. Let's talk about how great Austin is. They've got the Barstool sports guy on there uh, talking about, you know, the impact that he had in Adam Colton. And it's like, we know the impact that he had. That's not the thing that would have been new. The stuff that would have been new is his family, going into his problems. Also, they didn't even talk about Bret Hart because th- there's no Bret Hart in there. They don't talk about, you know, the, sh- the turn enough. They talk about, you know, when he, you know, gets the neck injury. That was interesting. But they, it's so rushed. He needed three episodes. He needed three two-hour episodes to really tell the story of Stone Cold Steve Austin. They did have The Rock on there. They did have The Undertaker on there. So that was nice. They had Triple H. They had, they talked about the King of the Ring. They talked about different stuff. But it it just, it's like everything with WWE. It's too fast. And they just... Let's skirt through everything. We got to keep it, you know, they, they, it's like an action movie. They don't let anything breathe. This documentary needed time for things to breathe. Um, one of the things I completely disagree, they had Paul Heyman on there saying that he made a Faustian ba- bargain and that, you know, that, you know, in order to be the top guy, you have to sacrifice your family and your friends. It's like, that's such, you know, baloney. I'm sorry, that's crap. There's, you know, there's LeBron James, and he's hit a level that Austin has never hit. And, you know, he, he's been fine. So I don't agree with that. That might sound good storytelling-wise, and the thing with Paul Heyman you always have to have in the back of your head is he's always trying to entertain. He's always telling his directive of the story so you don't know what you can trust. But I wanted so much more. When they started talking about his daughters, I wanted a little more about that. I mean, he said that, you know, he hadn't talked to her for a while, and he answered the phone, and she no longer had a Texas accent, and she had a she had a British accent that, you know, when he hung up the phone, he was, he was crying. And I'm like, 
that's more of what I wanted to hear about. We got to see Austin's sister. A lot of us didn't even know he had a sister. Um, we got to see, you know, his brother. His brother was interesting, uh, talking about, you know, how he grew up, you know, how he was already preparing to be a star even at a young age as he was signing autographs. He was practicing how to sign autographs at a young age. Um, they talked about how he quit school like one week before he graduates, which was kind of like, really? You couldn't do one more week? But that's Austin. That's the way he does things. They talked about, you know, ECW and, you know, WCW and how, you know, when he got signed by WCW, it was the most money he'd ever made. Um, he needed to sign with WWE just to make, just so he could continue paying bills because ECW was getting paid a lot. Um, so they, they talked about that. They didn't really, I don't know. They just, the, the problem with it is I just, they don't, they don't go into detail on anything. It's just, let's just run through everything. And that's my problem with all the WWE documentaries. It's they're covering too much of a broad subject in one episode, in 60 minutes, in an hour. This was two hours, but still not enough time to explain Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is the, the, this is the Michael Jordan of professional wrestling. He changed the business the same way Michael Jordan changed the business. Did he have the cultural impact that Michael Jordan had? No, he did not. But as, as for wrestling, that's, he's the closest thing. It's either Hat or Hulk Hogan. Because this man drew the houses. He, he brought WWE from the brink of death. Anybody that wants to say DX and this or that, no. Austin is the one that changed everything. He was the guy that changed the whole focal point of the Monday Night Wars. If you don't have Austin, I don't know if McMahon wins. McMahon lucked into Austin and The Rock. If he didn't have that, I don't know if he wins the war. But WCW did kind of self-destruct itself. But, you know, I, I don't know if he beats them handedly like he did with, with having those two guys. He, he lucked into two of the biggest stars, the business, and then he had a roster that was assembled by Jim Ross that had, you know, was just an army of guys for him to work with. And they really, I like that they got into it, that, you know, they really weren't building up guys toward the end for him to work with. And that's the problem. And, and Jim Ross was all over this documentary, which was a real blessing, because if Jim Ross wasn't on here, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been half as good. And Jim Ross talked about how you got to keep your talent happy. And I, and I agree. Part of the thing that caused this downward spiral is they were booking, there was horrible booking. You know, when they had him, they wanted him to job to Brock Lesnar. They didn't mention the part that, you know, a week ago, before that, he was on Bite This talking about how, you know, creative was horrible. And this was Vince McMahon trying to, you know, tell him, you know, this is to fall back in line. You know, you're going to lose to, you know, Brock Lesnar. They didn't really go into that. Now, did he handle it the best way by just walking off and not saying anything to Vince? Eh, I don't know about that. That, that was kind of the mistake there. But, you know, he was running really hard there. And, you know, they had already given him WrestleMania and they gave him Scott Hall. And he was upset with that. And they just continued to just, like, have him dwindle out there. He felt like he had changed the company's trajectory. And this is his thanks for it. But anybody that works for McMahon, I got to tell you, that's the, that's the thanks you're going to get. He's not going to thank you. He looks at it like he has just as much... He's not going to show you your worth. 
part of the the brilliance of Vince McMahon is explaining is getting what he wants out of his athletes without them really knowing how much they really are worth to him. And that's just how he is. He's very similar to it. Dana White, you know, I think Dana White's a little bit more courteous, but that's the cold Vince that he is. You know, he allowed Jerry Lawler to walk out. I mean, this is just, that's just who he is. And anybody that works for him should know that. So I thought the documentary was good, but it, you know, went over a lot of things that we'd already seen before. I wanted more, I just, I wanted a slower documentary. I wanted more time with like The Rock, let things breathe, but that's the way WWE does things. So I like the documentary. Is it the best? No. It's not. And uh, I'm anxious to see what the Roddy Piper one will be. So I will watch that tomorrow. And with that, I think that about does it. I want to say thank you for listening. As always, you can find me at Justin Yance on all the social media platforms. And I will see you next time on the DMF. <laughs>